0: Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. The victims were in airplanes, were in their offices, secretaries, businessmen and women, military and federal workers. It's always challenging for us to think about what episode um, we'd like to do like a guest or something of that nature because of the fact that 9-11 is such a historic and, and important event that we feel at least that we should recognize that. Um, so we thought we would change it up and do a little episode here about where were we when the event happened or what were we doing and um, from that so what, what, what came out of that and such, you know, um, in terms of our individual. So I'll go first and say, um, for me in particular, I was, uh, near the end of my military career. I just spent 20 years and I had already planned on getting out of the army. And, um, you know, I was part of the cold war era and, Um, we weren't sure there was anything that was ever going to go on. We knew there might be something there, but figured it would probably happen in the fold the gap, you know, where I was at even earlier in my career, that was going to be the main point of entrance by Russia. And, um, then of course those events happen. And for me, I had just separated from the army. Um, I was actually, um, just completed, I think my terminal leave. Um, I started working for a company as a consultant, a uh, contractor kind of job. It was a corporate company, not a, um, government contract. I actually turned down a government contract opportunity. I went to work for this company and I'm sitting there in a training where I'm learning a, a, a system that they had acquired and they wanted us all to go through this so we could understand what it was about. And I'm, so I'm sitting there and the instructor's talking and somebody walks in and says, a plane just hit one of the towers in New York. And at that moment, um, I was thinking a little, probably like many people, a little biplane, yeah. small plane. And um, and then um, they started talking about it, said no. Uh, they believe it might be a larger aircraft. Immediately, we were going around the building and trying to find televisions and uh, learning what happened. I had friends that were in the Pentagon, um, former leaders and everything at that time frame that were there. Um, I had, uh, you know... Friends that I knew were still kind of in the um, the space where I could reach out to them and find out what's going on where they work, but I couldn't get a hold of anybody. Um, for me at that time frame, my so what or my action was, you know, I, I really thought about coming back on active duty because of it. I mean, you spend twenty years in the army to go to to combat, you know, to to serve your country in case you're ever called. Um, I was in E eight at the time and. Had just uh, finished an MBA by working on my weekends and stuff and evenings. Uh, My last couple of years, I had a fairly good job. And for me, I wanted to come back. And I realized that my role and would probably be better served as not going back on active duty at that time frame. Um, There weren't too many uh, of us needed. It was more um, individuals that were actually going to be in the fight. I'd probably be managing a Connex in the (laughs) rear. Um, That's what a lot of my friends told me. It's like, no. You know everybody has their time, and you did yours, but you know for me it was a it was a difficult time and um for many years thereafter and I can tell you it still weighs on me of, did I make the right decision in in not going in um and that's kind of for me my my thing was I wanted to do something to give back and uh later on following that, and that's why I started this podcast. It was one of my ways of all right, I can contribute in a different way, I can lend my my experiences and stuff previously and what I did following separation. And it's what really a few le- years later started this uh, uh, whole podcast up. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll let you go. I was just going to make a
1: comment based off what you were saying is I, I nine 11 brought out a lot of people who, who didn't know they had that in them. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of people that joined, you know, A lot of folks that had good-paying jobs, right? Six-figure jobs, and they go and enlist, and and now they're a PFC because they have a college degree, but 9-11 brought them out. It's just amazing, you know, something so tragic. They can bring an entire country together, and then individually, you know, people just come out and they they learn something about themselves. I just find that very... um, it's, I think it's good for the country knowing that, you know, we can bond together like that. And then for you, you know, two decades serving your country, um, possibly fighting the mad horde coming across the border, you know, you always have that in the back of your mind. And it was tense in Germany at times. Yeah. You know? And then to be out the door, I don't even know what that would feel like to go, man, you know, I, I've been in the NFL this whole time and all they ever let me do is play scrimmage games. And, you know, now it's time to go play in the Super Bowl, right? I get that.
0: And there was a lot of guys that did end up coming back on active duty and doing that. Um, You know, for my family and for me, it just wasn't the right timing. And for what I was doing at the time frame, pretty much all my buddies, they were, you know, they were E8s or E9s and stuff. And it wasn't like they were carrying a rifle and going down range so much. And so, you know, and when you get up the higher tier, you know this from retiring as a sergeant major, you're your role in um you know there's fewer of those so they don't need as many of us what they needed was somebody who was willing to come in and pick up the the weapon and carry the fight and i just in case i really appreciate everybody who did that and and heard the call and uh the country's call and decided to do that Uh, but we each have different roles and i i try to explain that today um since we're talking about this even to individuals that says you know Um, I didn't serve, but, uh, and be like, no, there is no, but even as a a civilian, um, you, you do things for veterans, you're supporting individuals, you're a caring person. There's a, there is no, but no, because there is no, shouldn't be no separation. I don't mean to take us down a different route. No, no, no. That's,
1: I think it's wonderful that you say that because the, the support is there. Also you volunteered. Yeah. I volunteered. Yep. The guy that just said, but didn't, you know, we didn't go down together and I made the decision he didn't or she didn't, you know, that's the notoriety I get is that I chose that profession. Thanks for being an accountant, you know, or whatever, but I I get it. And for you, and I've I've said this before because my father was kind of in the same boat with the Gulf War, is that you set the conditions for the people after you to be successful. If you were horrible at your job um if you were horrible as a leader then future successes wouldn't have wouldn't have been present right but people were successful and they were directly and indirectly because of you you know those the successes in my mind and a lot of other people that we've spoken with so you've set the conditions for us
2: absolutely um so i was a sophomore in high school i was 15 years old i was in weight training um so this is
1: three generations that this means, is how it broke this down. is
2: before the army after the army and I guess yeah, during, you were, you yeah. were during yeah so yeah i was i was a teenager i was it was tuesday i was gonna go to football practice um that really honestly this is how blinded i was to everything football practice got canceled and i was like coach Hughes never canceled football practice and then the game canceled on Friday so i knew it was something bigger than that obviously in my little my little 15 year old mind at the time i can remember who was standing next to me when we watched the second plane hit um and it's it's a a moment in my life that i will never forget i can never just not remember the looks on people's faces utter confusion this feeling of safety that we had in that one morning was all taken away, yeah. oh, wow, I like the you know you what I mean, like out. we were comfortable, we were Americans, yeah, we were comfortable, and then we realized how wrong we were,
0: in that moment is, don't don't make no mistake, you know, make no mistake they they won in that sense, yes, because once we didn't have that sense of security. And we woke up. America changed forever. It's because we were asleep at the wheel. We yes. thought everything was fine. We complacent. were running through the motion. We
2: yeah. were complacent. As yeah. a country, yeah. we were complacent.
1: Well, that's a true definition of, of terrorism, right? What you mm-hmm. just explained is just taking away your comfort. Yep. Being able to do something and action. Through, through fear. Yep, through fear. That, that changes your daily way of living, your normal processes. So, yeah, man.
2: And I always saw it as, like, my experience that day, um, not as the reason I joined the military, but a definite feather in the cap of the myriad of reasons as to why I joined the military. Um, You know, some of it was out of necessity, but, you know, I could have made it work doing something else. Yeah. But it served a purpose of what I needed at the time, but there was also this thing, you know, that happened back when I was a sophomore in high school that I still remember that's still fresh in my mind that I want to go do something or go at least help do something about. And that was, that was one of the reasons why it sounds crazy. I was happier that I was deployed to Afghanistan and not Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. Iraq was because that's why, that's what I thought. Yeah. Once you read into it, you realize that, you know, yes, they were harboring people, but the threat probably came from other places. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. Yeah. At the time, though, I was like, That's "I'd a rather whole go there." Other time. Yeah. Um, so, well,
1: so question for you: at, at fifteen, I mean, at that point, had you? What was the most traumatic thing that you'd ever seen with your two eyes by the age of fifteen?
2: That was probably top three, one hundred percent. Yeah, top three, and that was through a TV. Yeah, no, I and mean, that, it's still that, traumatic when you can like reach through a TV and traumatize somebody, or what? How I always say that trauma is relative but traumatic being that it's remembered it's remembered vividly and you can feel emotions from the time that it happened yeah it's uh, a fear yeah
1: I mean, as a young man i think growing up and i think we can all relate to this being in elementary school i think the the thing that we were most scared of was probably getting in a fight mm-hmm. i mean and, and 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 most kids talk about it yeah. most young men talk about it. they're like man I, you know i got in a fight got punched in the face nobody wants to get punched in the face right yeah. i mean you, you kind of grow into it, especially in the Army. But <laughs> yeah. you know, at that point, that was like the scariest thing that could probably ever happen to you as a young man is getting into a fight, mm-hmm. right? That's a big leap. Yeah. You know, Your your fears, that aperture just opened way up.
2: I would way rather get punched in the face than have to jump off of the 57th story of the of the yeah, World Trade traumatic. Center. Yeah. yeah, that was
1: traumatic. Just you know? watching I mean, people and, do And
2: that. You, we watched it in real time. Because and people it, didn't know
1: that that was about to happen, and
2: everybody was like, That's debris, that's debris. And no. then someone said, Those are people, yeah. Uh, and then man. it's just like the air goes out of the room even more, even when you think the air couldn't come out of the room even more.
1: It just can you imagine being a teacher trying to oh no, collect oh. all of that emotion and keep yourself together? I, can't.
2: I the, can't. Our school shut it down, it was everyone on their desk, you're gonna watch this TV, the bell's gonna ring, you're gonna go to the next class. And then you're going to watch the TV. Yeah. And that's all we did all day. That's all we did for the rest of the week, pretty much. And it was just a – I remember it's a somber time. But – I always put the but in here. That next week, you start seeing the red, the white, and the blue. And it was – I'm getting chills just talking about it, actually. Yeah. I mean, we – and once again, I'm 15. I'm in my little football player mind. You know, I start seeing cheerleaders wearing American flag shirts and show – everyone's wearing American flag shirts. And I want to say that my patriotism was pushed over the edge during that time.
0: I think everybody's was
2: September 12th up until now. I mean that
0: it's, I mean, I, I'm not old enough and nor have I ever asked my, say parents, uh, my mother who's still living. Um, you know, the, the feeling of say the end of world war two is an example. V day experience. yes, And the, and the parade and all of that. Um, but I mean, that was pretty, pretty amazing. Even months and months after
2: when George Bush threw out the opening pitch of the world series, the first pitch of the world series. And it was like, yeah, we're American. Yeah. Everybody was American. You could be Brown, black, white, yellow. Oh, it didn't, matter. It, didn't matter. You Probably were,
0: the next time was when we got them. Yes. Yeah. And that was the second yes. uh, yeah. time frame. Yes. So I'm curious. Um, what about, what about you? Good Lord. Sure. Um, <laughs> So
1: smack dab in the middle. I think the most traumatic thing I'd seen up to that point, this is kind of segue into my experience, was probably the space shuttle challenger.
0: I was in school when that happened and they showed that on television. I was on recruiting duty and the Air Force guy was watching it because he's Air Force and us Army guys were over there trying to get some recruits in and all of a sudden he's, you know, yelling. And we go running over, and I saw it in replay. I didn't see yeah. it when it actually happened. Well, yeah,
2: everyone was tuned in. My, I remember my siblings talking about it. everyone was tuned in because they were teachers. It was the first time teachers were on the space. Exactly. So everybody was like, "We got to watch this." Was it Christy McCullough?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: And then it just yeah, obviously something bad happened.
1: Yeah, and then they were trying to figure out why I was drawing pictures of it. I was like, I don't know, maybe because you put it on TV, and then you asked us to draw our experiences of it. And I don't know. I got in trouble for that. Anyway, as I digress. <laughs> Um. No shit. There we were. At Fort Hood, doing Op Four. I was in One Seven Cav, which at that point, you know, One One Seven Div Cav. Gary Owen. If um, If you've ever seen We Were Soldiers, based off the book We Were Soldiers Once and Young, um, One Seven Cav Division Cavalry was the you know premier reconnaissance force that would spearhead an entire division. It would move forward in front of the three maneuver brigades within 1st Cavalry Division. So that's the way that we were set up. Tanks, Bradleys, Kiowas, you know, reconnaissance in depth, recon by fire, however you want to do it, we had it. But they would use us as opposition force for any of the, um, the training exercises for the brigades. So the maneuver brigades would go train, and we'd play Op 4, which I thought was absolutely amazing.
2: Yeah, you were you were in, in-house Geronimo for and, Ford Hood. Oh, kill, and killing it. Yeah. You know?
1: Because we were good at what we did, and we were very cocky about it. Um, learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about people. That day, we were part of a Ford security element. I had, you know, it was my my tank brothers was with us. So I was on a Bradley leading people in, and we were going up against... Um, a, a tank company that was dug in in a defensive position on Antelope Mount. So we we're coming off of a wood line. It's dusk, uh, or no, excuse me, it's dawn, right? And the sun's starting to come up, and we're just waxing tanks. I mean, we're doing it big time to the point to where you know we're talking a lot of smash. You know, once you kill everybody on the the objective, the you go up there and you're pivot steering one way and <laughs> traversing the turret the other, and just making everybody mad. So we get up to the top, and I don't remember what time it was, but we've been up all night. I mean, we've been attacking these these tanks for a while. And uh they they call all of the all of our moving units. I was like I said, I was part of the force Security Element, so a smaller group, but they called the entire troop up and all of the first brigade tanks went away. Like, oh, they must be recocking, right? That was going to be, you know, that we weren't done. We had more missions. There to was go. no index and stuff. So no, not yet. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. We, I think we still had a couple of days. I yeah. might be wrong. It was a while ago. They call up all the Bradley and tank commanders to the top of Antelope Mound. And as we're getting up there, I'm downloading. I'm like, I wonder what happened. And my driver and my gunner, I think it was, uh, we had Osborne was out there. Hernandez was out there. Um, they had um, a radio, like a regular radio that was hanging up. Yeah, and he was listening to it, Mm -hmm. and he said something about a bomb at the World Trade Center. We're like, oh, okay. Not knowing that this is what this conversation was going to be about. So we go up, and I don't want to misspeak about who it was, but senior leader, I think it was, um, I think it might have been the commander, because we had Colonel Funk, General Funk, right? But Colonel Funk at the time was one of was the squadron commander, I believe. They said, "Hey, plane has hit one of the one of the tw- uh, one of the towers. Um, we don't know what's happening, but we're going to continue to train. We're going to recock and then be prepared too, because I, I believe we were DRB. So I think we were like the the, the Global Response Force at the time." Still, you know, you mirror up with Mm -hmm. Mm 82nd, 82nd goes in first, then you bring in the armor. So we're like, oh, okay, well, we're going to recock and go do this. And man, that really sucks about the World Trade Center. We still didn't have the details because I'm on a Bradley. And I get back and we're getting ready to to roll out. They tell us to stand by. Second one hit. And at that point, index. So everything stops. I just remember my time there because it stood still one of my um torsion bars broke on the bradley's part of the suspension so the tanks have independent suspension bradley's have torsion bars that go across the hull and one of them snapped so that means this arm that holds the the road wheel is done for so we have to chain this thing up to the side skirt to keep it going right and they were going to bring a recovery vehicle out to come get us. So an 88 was going to come and get us. So we're waiting. Meanwhile, the entire brigade and all of one seven cab is headed to the wash rack because we're getting ready to go. I mean, we're talking like they've already talked wash rack operations after, after mission, after ops stuff. So you guys have already four cornered and everything. And oh you guys yeah. Yeah. Are bouncing. yeah we're, wow. we're getting, and then the, 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 the talk is is that we gotta go
0: pack bags yeah. and
1: start staging.
0: And you guys didn't have like A bags and stuff already. We did. We had oh, okay, we, yeah. so
1: we had one set of bags ready to go. Right. And it was in our in our C P which is down at the motor pool. They just sure. want you to go pack all your hand yeah, stuff. All and the, all the pack other pack stuff. stuff let's get it ready and, to go. Yeah. But but meanwhile, we're sitting on Antelope Mound. It's barren. It's just the four of us. So it's my driver, my gunner, me and our dismount, and we're just sitting there. And every literally, everybody has left. And it's just us. And we're just watching everybody just take off. And all we have is this radio, this silence, and each other to discuss what's happening in the world. And of course, I'm the senior guy out there on the track, you know, I'm a young staff sergeant, like, hey, what's going to happen? Man, I don't know. We're going to figure it out, though. Right? We're <laughs> going to do this together. I was a young sergeant at the time, in fact. I wasn't even a staff sergeant yet. So. Yeah, we didn't have time to register what was really happening because I didn't get to see it on TV. I didn't get to see it on TV until like 3 or 4 in the morning because by the time we were able, they told us to finally limp it back. So here we are with this thing chained up on the, don't ever do this. If anybody rides a Bradley now, don't, don't ever do what we did. We chained this thing up to the side skirt, and then we rolled and limped this thing to the wash rack and we were at the back of the line it's like gunnery just sitting there waiting for your turn got everything washed had to bring it back now we have to replace parts we have to replace the torsion bar people have got track pads i gotta i mean you're doing maintenance Horse saddle man yeah you i mean because you got to get these vehicles ready to (laughs) go and then by the time we got everything done you're home you're taking a shower and i think recall was you know whatever that was my experience with with you know, nine eleven. The so what to that was we didn't end up getting called forward. It was Fourth Infantry Division was still there at Fort Hood. And I believe it was one ten Cav, which was the experimental brigade at the time, got pushed into hmm. Um well, they got pushed into Iraq. So that's whole that's how people get their history messed up. <laughs> like, oh somebody hit the towers, Osama bin Laden we're in iraq oh okay so that's it it, it, it's really weird
0: yeah now i mean for you and it's kind of it is interesting because i don't know that we really even talked about this prior about having the three different generations and what our experiences were interesting i mean me just getting out you not even you're a couple years away Mm -hmm. removed from even being able to be eligible yep and then you're in at that exact moment. Yeah, I'm a sergeant. Yeah, and you're on a force that's reactionary that could have very well been the one that would have went in yeah. there and and been one of the first uh, elements, at least, uh, to be on ground. Yeah, I
1: mean, for a couple of days, it was it was really mm-hmm. crazy. Um I don't remember. I, I mean, I'm trying to figure out if if I'm mixing a bunch of information together, but I I know Antelope Mound happened. I just, I just remember that time sitting there with the fellows and just how, how everybody just disappeared and we're sitting on this, in this, it's like sagebrush and and you're on a mound and there's dirt and it's Texas, you know, and you can see things in the distance, but it's just so quiet. You got nothing. The Bradley's not going, the radio's going, you're hearing people panic and we're all just sitting there in our thoughts, just trying to figure out what the next move is going to be. And you don't know whether to be personally scared or if you just need to start ramping up in your mind that we're probably going to go someplace because something happened. It's just a weird place to be.
0: 22 years removed from that. um, I think, you know, you think about that. The generation that now is joining the military, you know, weren't even born at that time frame. Or four years removed from even being born in some cases or longer um which is just kind of crazy yeah right so you're listening to this and you're one of those individuals and you wonder why people still focus on that event and uh you know because it was an historic event in history that changed the landscape of a lot of things that went on and you can talk about you know whether or not it actually happened whether or not after that we should have been there were there weapons of mass destruction or not? That's not what this podcast episode is about. It's about a moment in time of our country in which we came together. There was a strong event of something that never happened on American soil, which told us that it is absolutely capable of happening, uh, happening here. Um, which prior to that, we thought we were you know perfectly fine and nothing like that would ever happen. Yeah. So I think, you know, for those reasons, we at least wanted to come together and, and talk about where we were, what happened to us, um, what we took away from those events and stuff and what, you know, what happened. Um, each of you probably have a story and, uh, you know, may have uh, different, you know, um, things in, that you saw or whatever. It's much like if we all went into the same house and breached it and everything, it would we'd all have different stories as well. Um, but I hope, if nothing else, you take the time to think about those who lost their lives on that day um, at the Pentagon and the aircraft that had to hit the the ground and then as well as the one that, uh, two that hit the towers. Um, you know, there was a lot of lives that were lost that day and there were lives, countless lives that were lost thereafter because of those events and us getting engaged in a 20-year war. So we wanted to at least bring, for us, Um, why we thought that day was important and that was kind of the purpose of the episode
2: yeah